A reading from the Anne of Green Gables devotional by today's guest, Rachel Dodge. And I am reading from Day 11, The Secret Place. In this chapter, Anne attends church for the first time. She arrives in a stiff black and white sateen dress and a new hat, which she has liberally garlanded with buttercups and wild roses. The other girls stare at her extraordinary head adornment and whisper to each other behind their quarterlies. No one makes any friendly advances, but Anne manages to find her way around and keep herself entertained. Anne's report to Marilla upon returning home is humorous. She describes Mr. Bell's awfully long prayer, the Sunday school teacher who asked a lot of questions but wouldn't answer any, and the minister's sermon that wasn't a bit interesting. Marilla wants to scold Anne for her criticism and wandering thoughts, but she's hampered by the undeniable fact that some of the things Anne said were what she herself had really thought deep down in her heart for years. Anne's honest point of view brings to light an important truth. The people at Marilla's church don't seem very enthusiastic about their faith. The bright spot in Anne's morning at church is her own personal communion with God as she sits and looks out the window during the sermon. This is why I love Anne of Green Gables so much. Okay, she continues. The simple prayer she prays in the quiet of her heart is a natural outpouring of thanks as she admires the long row of white birches hanging over the lake and considers her new life at Green Gables. While Mr. Bell seems to think God is too far off, Anne instinctively knows God is near. Her prayer reminds us that we can draw near to God and enjoy his presence at any time and in any place. We can speak to him in the quiet of our hearts and invite him into our thoughts, our dreams, and our worries. Our prayers don't need to be long or elaborate. Simple prayers uttered throughout the day cultivate a wonderful sense of personal fellowship with God. Daily devotions help us focus on God, seek His guidance, study His Word, and give Him thanks. In the Bible, Jacob got up early to pour out an offering to God. Daniel prayed on his knees three times a day. Hannah got up from eating and poured out her heart to God for a child. And King David woke early to praise God. Jesus himself often withdrew to pray in the quiet morning hours. Mark 1.35 says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. In the personal application of day 11, Rachel writes, Daily devotions are a precious gift from the Lord, that quiet secret place in your heart. The place where you meet with God is a place that's for you and Him alone. It's your communion place. It's where you can retreat from everything else and find peace. In the stillness, He is there. Jesus is inviting you, heartlifter, kindred spirit, as Rachel would call you, to come away with him today. Take time to slow down 
and be still before the Lord. Turn everything off. Put everything away. Find a quiet place, whether it's a closet, a car, a bedroom, or a garden. Sit before him, eyes closed, and breathe. Raise your hands to him in adoration. Open your heart, your hands, your mind, your soul, your body. Invite the Holy Spirit to fall afresh on you and breathe new life into your soul. A prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for reminding me to come away with you. You are my peace, my hiding place, my shelter, and my refuge. Please help me set aside everything, everything else, and devote this time to you. I ask you to please quiet my heart and speak life to me. I lay down all of my burdens, all of my burdens, every last one of them at your feet. Now add your prayer request here. Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, we are going to learn how to rewrite our story. So pick up your favorite pen and journal, grab a cup of something delicious, and start your heart-lifting journey towards living a meaningful life. Hello and welcome to today's Heart Lift with Janelle. Today is really a heart lift. I know we have lots of heart lifts, but our guest today, Rachel Dodge, who I've already introduced to you, is making me smile and cry at the same time, if that's possible, because uh, she is someone who, as she and I just prayed together, it really did come out of my spirit that she is someone who is reminding me of childlike joy through her writing and through the books that she has chosen to write on. So welcome. Welcome, Rachel. (laughs) Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here today. I'm just so happy. So happy right now. I just, I I was running around looking for my secret garden book, but I just color coded all my books and took the covers off. I didn't do it. My son-in-law did it for me uh, at last Christmas (laughs) as a gift, which was such a beautiful gift, but I can't find it. So it might be tucked away in my oldest daughter's closet that uh, I haven't got to yet. But anyway, we're here to talk about your beloved devotionals that companion some of our favorite books and writers. Jane Austen, Mm. you have a beautiful prayer companion, prayers, and you go through Jane Austen. Uh, Anne of Green Gables, who is my alter ego, I know. And she really, at a time in my life, in my early 30s, when that whole PBS series came out, I think it was nine hours long total. Uh-huh. I was at a place in my faith journey where I just needed freedom so bad. And she just helped me find it. And my sister and I took one day, we both had little toddlers and our husbands took them for nine hours so that we could just, we binged before binge watching was a thing. Oh, how fun. It's one of my favorite memories with my sister. But now you have out this, this coming out very, very soon. It's going to be a great holiday gift for anyone. 
uh, the beloved companion to the secret garden, the secret garden devotional. Well, Rachel Dodge, how did you get in to this work? I know that you're a college English professor. I get that. But how did you begin writing this kind of devotional based on classics? Oh, it's such a God story. Every bit Yay. of it. It Love was God stories. I, I mean, and it, and just to encourage others, it wasn't like a, like when it came together, it just came together, but okay. leading up to it, probably a lifelong journey. And definitely I would say like a 10 year process of me not knowing what I was supposed to be doing, where hmm. God wanted me next, his purpose for me. I just knew that I wanted to write for him. I just felt this longing to pour out words mm-hmm. to people to encourage them. And I all along was doing Bible studies, raising little babies, and um, I would get these opportunities to speak at um, different library events and Jane mm. Austen teas and things like that. Jane so Austen cool. always kind of been my thing, and so every every now and again along that journey, I would think, Lord, you know, I would love to write about the Bible or write um, something mm-hmm. for women or speak to women, but you keep opening the door to talk about Jane Austen. I don't get it, like. <laughs> How does this connect? Where is this connecting? Right. And why Jane Austen? Just let me take an aside here. I mean, are you currently still a college English professor or were you? Yeah, I teach. I teach um, at the community college level. I teach writing classes and literature. Ah. So yeah, that's just always been my thing. In grad school, I wrote my thesis on Jane Austen basically because you could choose your topic. And I said, well, why don't I write about my favorite author in the world? (laughs) Yeah. So you were English major in college. I was, yeah. Okay. And master's, I would guess, English. Yeah, English literature. Oh, okay. All coming together. Yeah. So I I wrote my master's thesis on Pride and Prejudice, all about women and etiquette during that time. And so, yeah, I just had so much fun with that time period. And I started writing for a blog called Jane Austen's World. And it's just kind of my thing. Um, But the cool part about how God really brought it together to start doing devotionals was that I was at a writer's conference or a Christian writer's conference. Which one? I I want to know. I'm so curious. uh, At Mount Hermon. Yes. Love Mount Hermon. Fantastic. (laughs) I have not yet been, but absolutely a great one. Mm -hmm. You have to go. Yeah. It is just life-changing and it's so beautiful Mm -hmm. there. You're so excited about being there. Really? No, I, I don't really want to publish a book, but you had a children's book on your mind. Yeah. So I had come with a children's book manuscript and I was doing the children's workshops and children's writing track and all of that very much in that going down that road. And while I was there, I met um, someone, um, got in touch with an author. Her name's Joanna Weaver. And she's written um, some yes. beautiful books. And so she, we just clicked. She just instantly took an interest in me and we kind of clicked. And so she offered to look at my book and talk to me and we sat down wow. to and we're talking all about all the stuff that I do. And she goes, so tell me about this Jane Austen stuff. I mean, that's like your world <laughs> is Jane Austen. She goes, why don't you write a book about her faith? And I said, well, they've oh. all been written, you know, I feel like it's all been done before. Um, but I just, it popped out of my mouth. I just said, but I've always thought it'd be neat to write about her prayers. And oh. as soon as I said that, we both just went, oh, that's the thing you're supposed to do. That's what God's been preparing all wow. these years. Um, and so I put together a proposal. First, I thought it would be kind of a commentary on her prayers. It was a little more scholarly. Um, mm. But then as I worked on it, I realized this is a devotional book. And wow. so I just started writing a devotion per line of her prayers. She wrote three really beautiful prayers. 
Right. And so that book came together. I had found an agent and she, when I said, <laughs> I didn't have an agent yet, but when I sent her that and said, Hey, would you be interested in looking at a devotional based on Jane Austen's prayers? She wrote back, you know, like a day later and said, yes, please send me a proposal. <laughs> Which is not normal. I know no. your agent. <laughs> And I I know that that is a very high quality agency as well. And so very, very, it was like you said, a very much a God wink, a God thing, a kiss from God, however you want to say it. It I love it. But you made yourself available. That's right. I do love that. And you went into a community and those at those conferences, you know, if you're not in a, the writing world, it, it just other places where you go into a community of like-minded people who have the same aspirations, there is a synergy in the air. And that's what happened. I've had it happen to me so many times. And you just go and open your hands and your heart and your mind, your soul and your body. And you go, okay, I don't really get what's going on here, but yeah. <laughs> he does. So exactly. that was your first. Yeah, that was my first. And it really was just a a very, a God thing. I kept kind of pushing down that, knocking on all the doors with the children's book. And there was an afternoon that I just was sitting at home and I pitched the book once again, never hearing back. And I just remember the Lord saying, you're not seeing the door that's open, like Mm. wide open. And when I, I felt like he almost had to turn my head, like you're looking Uh at this children's book thing. Oh and my gosh, just, it's so relevant like, right now. Look right here, look right there. And there's this wide open door. I knew it was Jane Austen. And that's what gave me the courage in that moment to send the email out to my now agent to say, would you be interested in a devotional book based on Jane Austen? And it really was like a moment of almost courage and almost um, like when you're so discouraged on one thing and you go, mm-hmm. what do I have to lose? I'm just going to send it. <laughs> I know. It's and normally so- I would... I would overthink things. I would have probably normally written that email and looked at it and rewritten it 50 times, but I just sent okay. it off because it was God just saying, just do this thing. And so yeah, you had nothing there, to lose. Yeah. So that was praying with Jane, um, a devotional book based on her prayers. And then um, after that, it was actually, my agent asked me, you know, if you were going to write another book, what would it be? And I knew my dream would be to write a devotional book on Anna Green Gables. <sighs> my favorite book, my heart book, you know, Yes. and I had this vision to write about adoption and belonging in Christ and use the story to bring that out to every woman, every girl who's ever felt alone or unwanted or unloved, or even just in everyday life. You know, we go through those moments where like, God, are you there? Are you listening? Um, Other people have hurt my feelings or whatever. And so it's just this idea that he's so close to us. And so, yes, that was my dream for Anna Green Gables. It's that also has an amazing God story. Tell um, me, I want to know. I'm so <laughs> eager to know. It was all again going to be closed, a lot of closed doors. And um, I was even told it's impossible. You you'll never get, you'll never be able to write this book. You'll never get wow. the rights, you know, all this stuff. And who told you that? I'm can I ask that? It's, I yeah, I can't I can't you can't divulge and but okay. It, yeah. That was probably not yeah, a nice people question. In the, to, people in the industry. In the industry. Okay. Yeah. That's I was at I, a, okay. I was at another writer's conference and they said, yeah, it won't happen. Other okay. authors tried this type of thing and have Okay. Gotten- Very important to know though, because yeah. <clears throat> that was someone was telling you something and God was telling you something else. So there's a strong yeah. spiritual principle in that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I was driving home. That was a, another writer's conference. I was driving home from it and I was really discouraged and just thinking, man, I really thought that was my next project. It's mm-hmm. been on my heart for you know a year or more at that point. And 
mm-hmm. um, that specific project. And, you know, I grew up with Anne and just, it's my, oh. my heart. That's just my, where my heart was. And I clearly, one of those times where you just hear, hear the Lord so clearly. And he said, yes. I didn't tell you no. Oh. And so I just heard leave no stone unturned. And so I said, Oh, I've okay. got chills. Oh my goodness. <laughs> We're talking so, a lot this season about the secret place and about coming away and mm-hmm. how God speaks to us. I had another guest who she was driving home as well from something and she lives in Texas and she saw a whole herd of cows, but there was a zebra in the middle. Oh, what? What? In Texas? <laughs> and she's like, oh, it's a thing. I'm like, well, I've never heard of this thing. But God was speaking to her about uh, not being a wallflower anymore to truly be a zebra. And so oh. you're in the car driving home from this conference. Yeah. So heartlifters, <laughs> here you go again. I really too have double chills because I'm so seeking God right now for my own life as well. And I know so many of us are That's right. hungering yeah. to hear his voice. Yeah. So here you heard, leave no stone unturned. Yeah. I didn't and tell you no. I didn't tell you no. A person told you no. <laughs> Who's a person? This is like, so good. <laughs> you know, that sense of like, I'm the God of the universe. What? Yes. <laughs> you know? Hello. And, yeah. And so again, I started researching. I started knocking on doors and mm. a few really cool things happened along the way. And and at one point there was this other sense of the Lord kind of impressing on my heart, that verse that like what door I open, no man can close. And that was really, yes. so I just kept pushing and pressing. And um, it was actually kind of a really cool day that um, I was again, a little discouraged with the responses mm. I was getting. And my husband just picked up the phone and called like the, I don't know, I can't remember exactly what it's called, like the Ellen Montgomery, um, oh. you know, the, the heritage, you yes. know, foundation, the family or whatever. Yeah. And talked to, immediately talked to someone on the phone who said, yes, you, yes. Your sure. husband. Yeah. That's my husband. He's just He's your I agent. Think, I love it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was thinking, okay, I got to write this email and I got to call and what am I going to say? And I'm freaking out and I don't know what to do. And, oh, I can't call these people. La, la, la. Oh, that's so and good to hear. Two minutes later, he goes, I already called them. You're, they're good. <laughs> I love it. He's like, enough with all this overthinking. Yeah, he's like, well, enough. well she's fussing about it. I'm, he was at work and just texted me and said, I, I already called. They said, send them a one page and they can look it over and if they, you know, can approve all that and give you a, a in writing. Cause I said, I need this in writing. Oh, absolutely. This without it in writing. That's and right. They did. And so that was again, very encouraging. Yeah. The next door open and my publisher from the first book, um, unfortunately for whatever reason, they decided not to go with the Anne book and oh. um, another God story. The Lord just opened up the okay. opportunity for a new publisher. And okay. the, the next three books I wrote have all been with that new publisher. Perfect. It's this beautiful little series where, you know, yeah, even the covers and illustrations. Everything's everything. stunning. Just we will beautiful. shout them out. It's Barber. I love Barber Publishing. Yeah, they, they I love them. Amazing job. And oh yeah, they are keepsake books. The, They're yeah, treasures. That's what it, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. They made them heirlooms. Just so precious. Yep. So I'm really, yep. really thankful that you know the Lord closed one door and then another mm-hmm. opened, and it was just the right fit for the next next set of work. You know, I thought, oh no, why won't my, why wouldn't my you know publisher want to do another book? Yeah. But I I just keep thinking, you know, with the 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 vision for the next three books, I couldn't see it yet. I just thought, and oh. you know. <laughs> Yeah, and then it, that unfolded that it's like no, this is going to be a trio of these really sweet devotionals. 
Mm, but what better person to echo you on than Anne of Green Gables? Yes. <laughs> I mean, she's like the queen of just, yes, dream, yeah. believe, envision, oh, yeah. call people to accountability, love God. Right. Yes. Well, I when, just, I was, uh, when I was writing the Anne of Green Gables devotional, one of the chapters when she has to go in and talk to Diana's Aunt Josephine. Yes. Who, please tell us about that one. I love it. It's one of my favorites. She's angry and like they've woken her up in the night, you know, jumping on her bed without realizing it and all that because it's the spare room and they run yes. in and jump on. And the aunt says that she's not going to pay for Diana's music lessons. And right. so she's quite a formidable woman. She and is. So, and I just said, Anne had to, she had to kind of go in and face the lions basically. And so mm-hmm. she didn't back down. And that's what I love about Anne is she uh. went in and she spoke directly to Aunt Josephine. She charmed her, of course, with her. Of course. Face. <laughs> and, you know, not only did Aunt Josephine say, yes, she would reinstate the lessons and all that, but also becomes this amazing champion of Anne and one of her great, you yeah. know, encouragers of her life. So in that chapter, I write about how the Lord sometimes will take something that looks kind of scary or a person who's intimidating and actually use them to be one of the people in the circle he's going to bring around you. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. You. Yeah. And to wow. help support you. She's kind of a mentor to Anne after that. And after you know, all that. Champions her education and all of that. And it's just mm-hmm. so neat. You know, the things we're scared of, it's like, let's yeah. just face it head on. Let's go in there. Let's just be brave mm-hmm. on, you know, as unto the Lord though, you know, taking that courage from Correct. the Lord. He right. says, I'll fight your battles. You just walk in there. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I know that's been a theme as well in this season. So it's just no mistake. You're here for us, Rachel. Because he does fight our battles. I mean, I just love um, I love that whole idea, but it's hard to wrap your head around that. Like to stand still, I will fight for you. I think it's Exodus 14, 14 or Exodus 15, 15. I know it's one of those two where he says, stand still. I will fight. I will fight your battles. Just be still. And that's so difficult. And that's part of the calling uh, another part of the calling of what you write about with the Anna Green Gables is in the secret place. You know, yeah. I am there to shelter. You mentioned Psalm 91, just shelter under the shadow. Of, do you have any more thoughts on that? Like what that looks like? Because it really is something the spirit is bringing to our conversations here. Yeah. Um, I would say in the Anne devotional and in the secret garden, I do a lot of a lot of that type of writing in the, you know, the devotionals, because Mm -hmm. there's this idea that the world around us is just so cluttered and our own minds Mm -hmm. are cluttered and Mm -hmm. we get anxious and um, just really learning to retreat with the Lord. It could be Mm -hmm. to a really beautiful place. It could be to your bedroom. It could be in the car (laughs) on a bus with all people around you, but you just can go into that place with him and so for Anne, you know, you know, she's known for wanting to go out into a big field. I and know. Just, she's my girl, man. You know, I know. Yeah. Nature is my cathedral. Yes. yes. <laughs> and I think it is like for us to not only be, it's kind of two things. One, to find the place that really does stir you mm-hmm. spiritually. Like I know that this is a spot where I can go, that I can focus and I can hear from the Lord. Yeah. And that could be a variety of places. Mm-hmm. It could be your everyday place. It could be things like when I go to these retreats or I go to this park or whatever it is. When I ride my bike. Yeah. When I ride my bike, mm-hmm. when I'm out just with the wind in my hair, you know, or yes. whatever it is. Um, yes. And then also like, again, that ability to 
find that quiet spot with the Lord, no matter what's going on around you. And that I think is probably for me, at least almost harder at times, you know, I could be in my kitchen and kids are everywhere and there's, I'm cooking and helping with homework and, you know, mending wow. something and doing a million. And you things. are grading papers. If you teach college English, yeah. I yeah, do. Okay. I teach online college as well. And yes. I, the grading of the papers ridiculous. is ridiculous. <laughs> It's ridiculous. <laughs> yes. I'm either grading or writing or editing a paper or doing something, you know, something. Yes. And there's 13 things going on. And mm. I just think, you know, that, that I guess it's maybe a, something we have to kind of practice and learn how to do to mm-hmm. shut everything out, to, to center ourselves in the Lord. Okay, Lord, it's you yeah. and me. I'm right here with you. You're with me. I'm in this kitchen in this moment, you know, and to find that, I guess, a sense of stillness in Mm -hmm. the chaos and kind of Christ. I always say like Christ in the crisis, you know, rather than Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm, I'm focused on all this chaos. Instead, I want to be focused on him. And I guess it's hard for us because we really have to think about and, and believe and know that he is like, we're his. And we're like, I always think like, we're his precious girls, we're our boys, whoever's listening, like you are precious to him. Hard to imagine. Yeah. And it's like, he can take in the whole world and also have all his attention on you. And Mm. so I think that's a sweet thing to think about. Like in this moment, like he's right here face to face with me. He he He, really is. He sees what I'm doing here. He's, he's proud of my faithfulness. He's going to help me in these things that I'm struggling with. Like, Oh, I just had a sharp tone with my kids. Yes. 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 I rolled my eyes again. Yes. He's, he's, for us. He's not against he us. He's for us. Great, great for us word to, for today. Mm-hmm. To follow him. He's for us to um, pray delight in him. him. Delight in him when I'm struggling with whatever it is. Like, Lord, <laughs> again, <laughs> again, 50th time I've asked you today or whatever. And he's like, I'm for you. Yes, let's do this. It's yes, not- exactly. I yeah, love so- it. I just think that's partly why I write these devotional books is to really try to help people have a really, I mean, it helps that they're beautiful. They're, they are delightful, like cozy and the sweet time with the Lord where you get your, you know, get your tea and get your blanket and get your, your devotional book and a favorite book. And I think sometimes it's hard for us to be consistent with our devotions. And so the other Mm -hmm. Or that we get kind of stale at times, like, oh, I've been doing the same thing for a couple yeah. years, you know? So yeah. my hope is that these devotional books are something that people naturally just go, oh, I can't wait to open it up. You know, they see it sitting there and go, oh, I want to, I want to sit down. I want to open mm-hmm. my Bible. I want to go through the devotional and start to draw close and and still become still. <laughs> yes. F three major roads, three major points. And I don't want to forget either or any of them. Uh, you, that you just brought up. So one, I'm going to name them so we can, I can have you help me remember. Mm-hmm. One, you did create a space of hickey. I don't, I don't know if that's how you say it. H y g g e. I know. Um, <clears throat> that beautiful art of presence and cozy. And you created a spot like that in your home, and it's called the dreaming chair. So I want to come back to that. Okay. Second. So, so you created that space. That's the most important point for everyone to lean in and hear how Rachel crafted and curated the space in her home. Second is you talked about wanting this to awaken our souls, perhaps uh, awaken us to a different way of having our devotional, which is what we're really talking about here in this season and we're entering into Advent and we're entering into Christmas. And so what a beautiful time 
to A, create a beautiful dreaming chair, praying chair, space in your house for a secret place, being awake. And one of my favorite quotes from The Secret Garden, and I, I mentioned it to you that I I use that at the beginning of tool three in my book. And I want to read it just real quick. I'm going to try to not make a lot of noise in my paper here, but the secret garden was what Mary called it when she was thinking of it. She liked the name and she liked still more the feeling that when it's beautiful old walls shut her in, no one knew where she was. It seemed almost like being shut out of the world in some fairy place. The few books she had read and liked had been fairy storybooks, and she had read of secret gardens in some of the stories. Sometimes people went to sleep in them for a hundred years, which she had thought must be rather stupid. She had no intention of going to sleep, and in fact, she was becoming wider awake every day, which passed at Misselweight. So I wonder, did you, I, I have your your book in a beautiful protected pdf because it has not come out yet uh, so i haven't gone through it with a fine-tooth comb yet but did you write about that thought of having a wide awake life i did yeah to be alert awake um to see what's going on around us to be aware of what i mean even just in our time like what is what are the things around me that could just steal my joy that can that mm. can um can really rock my boat, I guess, you know, my peace of mind, all those things and be awake and alert to those things. You know, the, Mm -hmm. in the new Testament, the way are exhorted to be alert, you know, we think of like our enemy is a prowling lion seeking to destroy. I mean, that's like an active thing and all sorts of different things can steal our joy or get in the middle of, you know, us really trying to walk out our faith or, or do whatever the Lord's put on our heart that day to do. And, and so, yeah, with the secret garden, just being this kind of hidden away place and this idea of us being alive and awake to what God wants to do in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a big part of writing the secret garden is this idea too, that sometimes when we're in a very um, wintry, long, kind of barren, pruned back season. It's really, really hard to remember or or have hope or believe or know that spring is coming. And so yes. that's a big theme in this devotional is the idea that spring ah, is the buds are coming. The shoots. Maybe you can't see it right now. It may just look like bare frozen ground. <laughs> yes. And feel that way. Cause Mary, yeah. she was so Francis Hodgson Burnett was so good at, at writing the emotive part, the emotions of Mary Lennox, you know, it's just, that's the beauty of fiction and the power of story. Yeah. So I just, I love that. You have one day, day five, called Fighting the Wind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that along that line of just having to press on, press through? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's this idea that, you know, Mary has to, she hates the wind. She's so cranky about it, really. (laughs) Yes. She's got so many emotions. I love it so much why does it have to you know but but the quote that i that i used for that chapter is mary was stirring her slow blood and making herself stronger by fighting with the wind which swept down from the moor oh read that again stop please (laughs) read it again yeah mary was stirring her slow blood and making herself stronger by fighting with the wind which swept down from the moor 
And, you know, I just write about how initially she just goes outside out of necessity and boredom and all of that. And she doesn't know it's, it's, um, Burnett says it's the best thing she could have done. And it's making, and so it says, you know, she hates the wind because it rushes at her face and it roars and it holds her back as if some, it's some giant she can't see, but actually pushing against the wind, running against it every day, breathing um, it breathing in all of that it starts to strengthen her body like physically mm-hmm, right her spirits like there's just it's there's something really good and wholesome that starts to kind of flow through her veins actually yeah even if it's a chilly wind it's like you wake up right i mean there yes. was one in the air yes. yesterday when it went from like 75 degrees to 40 degrees here and it was like we yes. walked out and it was like whoa hello yes. yeah. yeah yeah and it's just she says the fresh wind blows the cobwebs out of her young brain and begins to waken her up <laughs> so, so good oh my yeah, gosh so the the kind of the spiritual connection and you can look at it in a lot of different ways whatever it is whatever that wind is that you might be fighting right now yes. in your life like this resistance something that you're just constantly feel like you're up <sighs> against it um but i even in this chapter really talked about like the spiritual realm like standing firm yes. pushing back you know there's a lot in our world that like to be a light in this world mm-hmm. When we go out our front door to follow the Lord and be a light and share his love with others, it's not like an easy job to do. Oh, no, it is not. And mm-hmm. we're kind of like upstream in culture a lot of times. And we so are. so my encouragement in that one, in that that particular chapter was really to like think about whatever that uphill battle you might be facing, mm-hmm. that God's going to strengthen you for the task. Mm-hmm. And though you're hard pressed on every side, you won't be crushed. He won't allow you to be crushed. You might be perplexed, but do not despair. You know, I went through Second Corinthians four with that. Um, though Beautiful. you face persecution, he will not abandon you. Mm-hmm. If you are struck down, you will not be destroyed. So, and I basically talk about this idea that, like, when the battle isn't ours, as we've said, um, that when we face opposition, God's going to use it to make our faith stronger. Yes. Ugh. I know. My book is stronger every day. I get it. Yeah. I've had to so yeah. live that title every single day. I could have probably written like, you know, 15 chapters on just that. You know, I know story. that you could have. Yes. Fighting the wind. And I mean, for yes. me, it was like standing strong. Just, and just wanting that refreshment, revival, <sighs> like revive my heart, Lord. Like we need yes. that every day, a fresh wind from the Lord, like fresh oh, wind. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. You are just giving such prophetic utterance to, I believe, what many of my heartlifters, uh, myself at the front of the line, are going through. It is a resistance, and it's in the wind. It's in the air. Yeah, yeah, it it's is. It's invisible. It's like, it is. what am I feeling when I walk out this door? Mm-hmm. What am I feeling when I get out of my bed in the morning? So I haven't wanted to get out of bed. I haven't spoken about this publicly at all, but just a true sense of depression setting in again, just not wanting to get out of bed is not a good thing. Right, right. And it's not tangible. I don't, I can't put my hand on it. You know, it, it sincerely is something that I feel is like fighting the wind. So you gave me words and meaning and a name for something that I know personally I am feeling. And you know, when you're fighting the wind, you just, there's nothing, you're just, you know. Yeah. 
It's an invisible it's, force. It is. And it's like, you. I feel like I'm getting nowhere. Mm-hmm. Nowhere. Fast. I know. Right. So. Yeah. Well, and that, I think that's what it is because sometimes the battle we're facing isn't tangible. It isn't. And I Mm-mm. really, really think that's the spiritual element it that is. we see. It's that those principalities, principalities and powers. Mm-hmm. Like I can't see it. Mm-hmm. Now, thankfully, there are waging against those darker yes. forces. We have the, you know, those heavenly forces. We do. So, praise God for that. Cause I have to remind myself too. Yeah. There, there, yeah. There are days we wake up and it's just like, ugh. <sighs> everything and you don't you can't put your finger on it sometimes mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. what it is and so yeah. um i think this idea that like god has something for us to do in this this time where we're you know for such a time as this we are each mm-hmm. right where we're supposed to be for right now whether it's caring for an elderly relative mm-hmm. whether it's working in a business whether it's taking care of children at home or you know whatever it is you might be doing that the lord has a very real purpose for you in it. Mm-hmm. And the enemy would love to steal the joy of that to mm-hmm. derail you, to keep you fussing over other stuff rather than mm. I'm going to press on. I need to press on to mm-hmm. what God is calling me to do. Even if I don't know what it is right now, yes. you know what I mean? Cause there's, I think that for me is sometimes a loss of like, maybe that kind of, when we kind of wake up with that, like, Oh, what mm-hmm. uh, yuck. You know, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to focus. That's I don't it, know. Yeah. It's, it's uh confusion. And Psalm 71 tells us he's, you know, our God is not the God of confusion. And I know it here. That's right. Um, yeah. But, but we all, all live in a very distracted culture as well. And we've talked a lot about that this season and a lot of hurry sickness. We have a lot of hurry sickness going on. And so that, that does derail us and it, yeah. it is, it ungrounds us, degrounds us. However you want to say, I've never talked about that. I always talk about grounding, but it unearths us. Yeah. Right. So we have to bring in and it, it really leads to my third point, which I'm so grateful. I didn't forget. Cause if you know me and you're Good a client, I tend to, I tend to forget. Uh, but it's so fresh in my mind having, and if you're, if you're not, if you see the video, I'm once again, holding baby Isaac, my brand new grandson here on my left shoulder, where I also was holding my sweet granddaughter who came in April for the first six weeks of her life. Just so much of it right here. I was so, I'm, I feel so privileged and honored to have been there for a great length of time. Thank you, daughter-in-law and son-in-law. Um, but a very important training tool for little infants is this when they're so upset, they don't know why they're upset. They're just figuring out life outside the womb and all the distraction and hurry we're feeling. They're feeling it all in their emotional uh, nerve, in their nervous system. And so, and then I would just start singing like, this beautiful little hymn from somewhere in my past. Peace, peace, wonderful peace, my peace I give unto thee. Not as the world giveth, give I unto thee. Da, 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 da. And singing it in a whisper into their ear. And even anytime I would just whisper in their ear, like, shh, 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 shh. peace, peace, peace. Oh, you're, it's all good. They quieted right down and doing what I do. I know as a trauma-informed mental health professional, particularly 
our nervous systems, when we haven't been given that as an infant, our nervous systems come into the world hypervigilant, which ties really into Anna Green Gables as well, because the, the whole adoption process and all of that just leaves you in a state of, I don't know where I belong. I don't know who I am. You know, Mary Lennox as well. That all ties in. You're so good at this. You're just so good at this, Rachel Dodge. So good. And so I think our third initiative then that might get us into that dreaming chair that I want you to talk about, create a space in our in our life. You know, I just was in an Airbnb for, you know, five and a half weeks and I, I found it, you know, because it's what I do when I go into a new spot or a new space. It's like, I got to make my space. You call it your dreaming chair. Please yeah. share with us where you... Sh- 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 Oh, heartlifters, <laughs> I hate to leave you hanging there, but oh my goodness, we are going to just take a deep breath and close out part one of my conversation with Rachel and consider the words fighting with the wind or fighting the wind. I wanted to close with just a portion of that devotional essay that she has written in her upcoming The Secret Garden devotional, Day 5, Fighting the Wind. She quotes 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8 from the NIV. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Mary was stirring her slow blood and making herself stronger, by fighting with the wind, which swept down from the moor. That was the sentence that absolutely left me breathless. There is such great power in a sentence. I used to just whittle down my writing students' words until they came to this well-crafted sentence. And they, they were like, how do you write a book when it takes this long to just craft one good sentence? So Rachel writes, when Mary first comes to Misslewaite Manor, every day is exactly like the others. She wakes up, watches Martha build a fire, eats her breakfast, and then gazes out of the window across to the huge moor. She soon realizes that if she doesn't go outside each day, she will have to stay in and do nothing. Initially, Mary goes outdoors out of necessity and boredom. She doesn't know that this is the best thing she could have done. (laughs) When Mary goes outside and fights against the wind that sweeps down from the moor, it makes her stronger. I'm going to read that again. When Mary goes outside and fights against the wind that sweeps down from the moor, it makes her stronger. At first, she only runs against the wind to make herself warm. In fact, she hates the wind because it rushes at her face and roars and holds her back as if it is some giant she cannot see. But going outdoors does something new in Mary physically, emotionally, and mentally. As she walks and runs along the paths, her slow blood 
begins to stir. Fighting the wind strengthens her weak body and lifts her spirits. I'm going to stop there and offer you some meditation prompts or if you love to write some journaling prompts. When you hear that Mary was stirring her slow blood and making herself stronger by fighting with the wind which swept down from the moor, what imagery comes to your mind? I'm inviting you to activate your five senses. I'll read it again, and I I just want you to open your imagination while holding in one hand a very strong sense of personal application. How does this speak to your life currently? Mary was stirring her slow blood and making herself stronger by fighting with the wind which swept down from the moor. At first, Mary only runs with the wind to make herself warm, but being outdoors, it does something new inside of Mary, physically, emotionally, and mentally. So my second meditation prompt is to take an intentional time outdoors this week between parts one and two. And really just meditate and think upon fighting with the wind. Are you fighting with the wind in your life somewhere? Right now. We're in the Advent season. It can typically be a harried, hurried, scurry time where we feel a great deal of fretting and frenzy. Even if, even if we don't have a lot of family coming home, I don't this year, but it's in the air. It's in the wind. I want you to sit with, I'm going to be sitting with this, fighting with the wind. Am I punching, what am I punching the air at? Because I do feel a deep sense of struggle in my spiritual life right now. And I don't know why. I don't have any answers, and I may not get any answers, but I want to keep fighting with this win because the result, as it was for Mary, it's going to make her stronger every day. It's going to make you stronger every day. So there you go. There's our challenge. If you need to, rewind. Go back and listen to that portion where Rachel and I were talking about fighting the wind, fighting with the wind. What do you hear? It is my earnest prayer. I'm going to pray right now, Heartlifter, that you hear whispers of God in the wind this week. Open your ears, open your eyes, your heart, your mind, your soul, your body, and be ready. I saw a license plate just a few minutes ago when I was at the gas station. And you know how I am with license plates. And it said, I expect it. And I said, wow, 
That's a hard one for me to swallow. Kind of sounds like positivity or positive thinking or willful thinking. So I said to the man who was filling the tank, I said, I like your license plate. He goes, oh, it's my wife. Yeah. And he smiled real big as if to say, it's her motto, man. She expects, she expects, she expects things to happen in her life. So this week, I want us to expect whispers from God in the wind as we go outside and we allow our nature to be made stronger by nature. I can't wait to share part two with you. Until then, you go fight with the wind and hop over to Instagram, please, and leave a comment or two on our podcast pages, our podcast post. And if you don't want to put it there for all the world to see, just DM me. But I want conversations to start. That's why we're here. Okay. Until next time. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, please join the Stronger Everyday online community at JanelleRairdon.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity.